Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm just so glad that you guys could join us today here in the room, and those of you who are joining us online and it, it just gives me great joy to be able to be together like this and share the Word of God with you today. But just a quick reminder before we begin, um, you can find the Disciples Life Inventory and today's notes for the message at thecrosspointchurch.ca slash notes. Or if you're in the house today, you can grab them on your way in in the lobby, and it just says community on the front. And so these inventories... They are a helpful tool for personal reflection. And our hope is that you would reflect and discover the next step in your spiritual journey. And so, you know, we'll hope that you take this, the, some time this week to reflect and have a fruitful time with God in prayer as you look at this inventory and these materials. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time this week, this morning we are concluding our fall series follow me. And so in this series, we look at all of the five marks of a disciple. And this year, we decided to investigate the words and the work of Jesus from the Gospels, focusing on his invitation to follow him and spend their lives with him. And so far, we've talked about growth. We've talked about service. We've talked about mission and pursuit. And so this Thanksgiving weekend, we will be discussing the last mark of a disciple's life. And that mark is community. And so at Crosspoint, this is how we define the community mark. This is it. A disciple in community engages in intentional, deeper relationship with a small group of other disciples. And this group shares transformational, loving, and transparent relationships as they seek to build each other up. Now, so when I say community, I don't mean your Monday night card game, and I don't mean your Call of Duty squad with your friends. I'm talking about intentional relationships where you share your faith with others, where you invite people to really, really know you, and you give them permission to call you out and encourage you in times of trouble. This is real community that we're talking about today. And so where is the community in our lives This is what I want you guys to think about as we dig into God's Word today. And so, speaking of which, if you have your Bibles or your smartphone, or if you can keep your eyes open long enough, I want to get you to swipe over to Mark chapter 3, and we're going to plant ourselves starting in verse 13. And you can follow along from there, or you can catch things in your notes, or follow along behind me on the screen. So Mark chapter 3, starting with verse 13. And so Mark's gospel says this. And he went up, so Jesus, he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonanerges, that is, the sons of thunder. 
Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus, small James, and Thaddeus and Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. That's it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray before we continue, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you for, to work in us today as we hear from you. Help us to understand what you're saying to each of us. And tell us, we pray, what you want us to do about it. And we just thank you for your word. It is so powerful and it is so effective. And we love you for that. Amen. Amen. You know, let me start by saying this. Lately, I've been having a hard time keeping connected to my community. My wife and I have these three beautiful little maniacs running around at home these days. And so things are a little different for us right now. Our time is not our own. Our energy is waning. And sometimes entertaining new relationships or old relationships seems just like a lot right now. I don't know if you feel the same way. But, you know, I have this one friend, he's my closest friend, and he lives about an hour south of us, and he calls me a lot, like a lot, a lot. And sometimes I don't even answer the phone because, you know, it's dinner time, it's bath time, it's bedtime, or I just don't have any energy left to talk to him. But, you know, when I look down at my phone, I see that little red dot that notifies me. You have one missed call. And for me, I know after a while of looking at that dot, I, I know that that represents something. It represents this invitation back into community with my friend, my confidant, my fellow sojourner. So listen, I want you to know this today. I know that relationships, especially right now, are complicated. And there are so many reasons we don't have community right now, whatever that looks like. You know, there's busyness. I just don't have any time in my crazy schedule. There is fear. I just have a hard time trusting others, and I just can't put myself out there again. Or there is kids. You feel like you're in a baby jail, and your baby is the warden. And all the parents said amen, right? Right? You can't get a shower, let alone see other people. You know, most of all, right now, the coronavirus is still, still making it so hard to have community. Right when we need it the most. But it is community that has brought us together today, right now. That's why we're here. We need community. Our souls thirst for community. God created us that way. God cares about community because he is a communal God. He has fellowship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is his desire to share that community with you. And so he is calling you into community. And he chose you for this. And so this is what is happening in Mark chapter 3. See, in Mark chapter 3, you can see that many came to see Jesus during his earthly ministry, but few truly followed him. They missed that call. Mark says that every time Jesus and his disciples withdrew, this crowd would follow him and just surround him. You know, things were escalating quickly. Jesus was healing people, he was irritating demons, and he was breaking all of the rules. One, one time there were so many people 
that the disciples were afraid that they would crush Jesus. So Jesus got in a boat and he taught from the water so they wouldn't crush him. And so these people, not all of them were there for the right reason. They came to see the spectacle. They came to have a touch of his power. But this is what they missed. They missed the call. See, many came to be healed, but few of them came to give their entire lives. See, Jesus desired more than that, so he called 12 to come share life with him to spend their lives doing what he was doing. And so when he went up that mountain, he called them to himself, and they came to him. And so this is the main idea today, friends, is is that Jesus calls disciples into community. That's what Jesus wants you to do today. So don't miss that call. He wants you to answer the call. You're called to so much more than a meeting or an event on Sunday or anything like that. It's beyond a spectacle, signs and wonders. There's an entirely new way of life and being available to you. And so when Jesus calls his disciples, he calls them to an all-of-life discipleship. He wants more from you to offer more to you. And so when he calls us to come and follow him, he wants you to risk all of it. Like the disciples in the Gospels, they had to put down their nets and follow him. These disciples, they left their families, their jobs, their homes, and everything they knew to follow Jesus, didn't they? And everything they knew, and everything that made them comfortable, and everything that made them who they were, it was behind them when they followed Jesus. And so in the same way, when you follow Jesus, wherever he leads you, you're leaving something behind. You're forsaking the old self and the old life for something new. Why is that? Well, that is because Christ's call is so deeply personal. He calls you and I to surrender every sphere of our lives to him, doesn't he? Your private life, how you spend your time and your money, and your just overall purpose for living. And so a community like this doesn't just happen on Sunday or in an occasional class like Alpha. It happens when the call of discipleship invades our homes, our personal time, and all of our relationships. But that's not it. There is another aspect to Christ's call to community that is more troublesome than anything else. Listen, this is important. It's other people. This might seem obvious. You might chuckle to yourself thinking about it, but it needs to be said. Sometimes the hardest part of doing community is the other people you have to do it with. People can disappoint you. They can annoy you. They can hurt you. I'm sure that on different occasions, I have done all three to people I love even. But Jesus doesn't just call one disciple to be with him. He calls 12, doesn't he? And that's because Christ's call is so inherently collective. You just can't follow Jesus by yourself in your closet at home. We do that together. Mark says they came to him so that they might be with him and so that he might send them out. He's always calling multiple people. And guess what? These 12 young men could not be any more different from each other. They were 
an unlikely bunch. You know, there was Peter and Andrew. They were Jewish fishermen. There was James and John. They were loud and obnoxious and unruly. There was Matthew, who was a treacherous tax collector. They hated Matthew. And then there was Simon, the violent nationalist. He hated Rome. So they were different. They had different opinions. They would have rubbed each other the wrong way, and they would have made mistakes while they were together. They would squabble with each other. They would deny Jesus and misunderstand him. One would even betray Jesus. But in the end, they were shaped and changed and transformed by their time together. They loved Jesus, and they spent their lives to be with him, and they would give their lives for him. Nobody but Jesus could do that, bring those guys together. And so in the same way, only Jesus can bring us together. We know that to be true. We are diverse people. And everything in our hyper-individualistic culture conspires to pull us apart, even right now especially. Isn't that true? Michael Frost is this uh, social commentator, and he says that in North America, we live in an airport society. And it is so funny. I wish it weren't true, but we live our lives like they're airport terminals, full of people who aren't truly present with each other. They don't want to be there, and they're only looking towards where they're going. They have interactions with each other that are fleeting and impulsive, trivial and insignificant. Even another way to look at our society is this. We're like tourists in wine country jumping from one experience to another, nibbling and sampling here and there. But we never stay for the whole meal deal, and if we don't like the taste, what do we do? We're gone. Nothing binds us together. There's no deep connection, so we live and exist in untethered lives, untethered from one another. But here's the good news today, is that Jesus calls his disciples out to draw them in to a community with him. You know, it's funny. The Apostle Paul says this, and it's so encouraging. God is faithful. We sang about that today. He says, by whom we were called into, into what? Into f- the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. His fellowship. See, God is faithful to us by using this community for our good. Christ's call into fellowship with God is such a gift. Isn't that true? To have each other and have relationships. It welcomes God's divine hand into our lives through other people by allowing him to shape us and restore us and transform us through community to make us something new. And so when Jesus appointed the twelve. The word he uses here for appointed is a little crusty. It's a little frumpy. It could be better understand as an act of creation. And the Greek word here for appointed is poeo. Poeo means to make or create. Other times it means to constitute or ordain. But in this sense, Jesus is creating something new out of the disciples, those who followed him truly. And so when the 12 came to Jesus, he created what? A new people. And so here, what he's doing, he's restoring the people of God through 12 young men, picking back up where the sons of Jacob left off, reclaiming the 12 tribes of Israel and a new people and the people of God and taking them up from the muck and the mire. And this new people of God would be centered around their communion with Jesus. 
And so Jesus called these 12 to himself because he desired them. He wanted them. And so the gospel of Mark says that he desired them. And the miracle is that they could respond to them, to him. They had a change of heart. They left everything to come to him. They said, I belong to you, Jesus. And they became these, this new people of God through him. And so this is what Jesus is calling you to today. Um, and he, he's calling you into this new community, into a belonging, his people. Are you answering that call today? Or are you missing it? Now there's more. Jesus invites us into community for a reason, for a twofold purpose. And so first, it is that so we might be with him. You know, following Jesus today still requires an all-of-life response. But to be with Jesus, how do we be with Jesus today? That's, that's, that's a tricky one because Jesus isn't physically with us right now, is he? He's ascended into heaven and he advocates at the right hand of the Father for us in heaven. But Jesus said something. He said that it's good that I go away so I can send you the Holy Spirit. And so because of the Holy Spirit today, friends, and those of you at home, you can be with him when we are together. Let me explain. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered, this is a really easy one, in the name of Jesus, he is among them. And by some strange and wonderful mystery, God is present when we're together. And his promise is not only that, but that he will be with us always. The Apostle John said this in his letter to the church. He said, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, the good news today is that when Jesus calls us into community, he invites us into a wonderful mystery, which is our union with Christ. And so in short... That means that because of Jesus, we are saved in Christ. And we are the church, his people, his disciples in Christ. And so there's this intersection between our relationships with others on the horizontal plane and our relationship with God on the vertical plane. This is the special communion that disciples have with Jesus. And so because we have a shared union with him, we have a fellowship with one another. And when we have a fellowship with each other, we have a fellowship with him. It's magical. Even now, Christ is amongst our small communities and with us right now. And he is making us more like him through it. That's his purpose. So let's talk about that a little bit. So how does Jesus shape us into his likeness? through community. He does this through community in two ways, by revealing and restoring. So let's talk about what you can expect from this kind of true community, the one that Jesus is calling us into. Well, first, being part of a community of disciples is revealing. You know, there's always that one person in your small group that drives you crazy, right? They always walk around with their muddy boots on and they always have dirty dishes laying around. People who never commit to anything, waste time, and never share about themselves during group time. 
And most of all, this person drives you nuts because who do they remind you of? They remind you of yourself. People are like life-sized mirrors of brokenness, and we don't like broken. It shatters our idealistic distortion about ourselves, how we see ourselves. But you can't follow Jesus and learn from his teachings and spend all this time with other people without being exposed. The cracks start to show when you spend that much time together. And before long, people get a glimpse of your brokenness and your need. But God doesn't just call you to community because he wants to make you squirm. There's more. The second part of being part of a community of disciples is restoring. Spending time with others reveals the holes in your belief, how you've forgotten the good news of Jesus, and they are right there. These people who are around you are right there to remind you of the truth and encourage you during troubling times. A community with Christ doesn't exist to tear you down. They exist, and its purpose is to build you up in Christ. Yes, sometimes it includes vulnerable renovations of the heart, but it's always meant to rebuild. These uncomfortable aspects of community are normal and to be expected. For those of you who are in a group or a community like this or the ones who are hesitant to join one, this is to be expected. Not only is it normative, but it's how God is conforming us into the image of Christ. Community challenges us, reveals our brokenness, and allows us to show each other the way. Let me explain. You know, in this book, uh, Saturate by Jeff Vanderstelt, who's a pastor in the Seattle area, Tacoma area, uh, says this about the vulnerabilities of community. He says, exposure leads to restoration. Jesus spent more than three years with his small band of disciples, eating and working and celebrating and serving. They were up close and personal with him. They watched him in every possible situation. They saw what it looked like to submit to God in everything because they saw Jesus do it. He was with them and near them, and he could watch them as well. He could see the cracks in their facades and pull back the layers. He knew where they struggled to trust God, where life was still all about them and not about submission to God. He often slowed down to draw out their hearts, point out their unbelief, and call them to trust him in every area of their lives. Jesus lived life with his disciples. He was close enough to really know them. He observed what they believed by watching how they lived. He became closely acquainted with their brokenness so that he could see their wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong acting. They were exposed. And as they were exposed, Jesus helped them to be restored. Jesus calls us, his disciples, in to community. He calls us out to draw us in and into community where they, we can be with him and others and be reshaped by him and others. But Jesus doesn't just draw us out without sending us out. He invites us into this new community of God for a second purpose and so that we might go together. 
You know, in the same way that following Jesus and being with Jesus is not a solo activity, neither is joining him on his redemptive mission in the world. We talk about that a lot, don't we? Christ calls his disciples to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them all of his commands. And then he promised that he would be with them to the very end. And Christ calls us to respond to this call as a community, the people of God. So let me tell you what this could look like. There's an example. If we look at a picture of it as the first community of disciples in the New Testament. And that's found in Acts chapter 2. And you find this community with purpose that is dependent on God's power. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Luke wrote this. He said, these people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, this is what a community that goes together can look like. They spent time with each other, the apostles' teaching and sharing with others. And in this way, a community of disciples that goes together has two things in common. What defines this kind of community? Well, first, the community has a common purpose. They are together to help people, anyone, know Jesus and become more like him. And this is done in many ways. It could be through a conversation. It can be through a meal or praying together and in worship. It can be by fulfilling practical needs. It can be by just being together wherever and whenever and however they can. In homes, in neighborhoods, in malls and marketplaces. They made it work. And this is how disciples respond to Jesus' call to share his message in their world. The second thing about a community like this is this community has a common need, and that need is for God's power. The disciples of Jesus depend on Christ's authority and power in their lives. And in the Gospel of Mark, he gives them his authority to cast out demons in his name because apart from him, we can do nothing. And so a community of disciples depends on God's power to provide and to secure, to free and to restore to move in their community, to soften hearts, and to reach the lost. This kind of community is in awe of him and celebrate when God moves in power amongst them. And so Jesus calls us together. He calls us together to be with him in community and part of what he is doing in his life that he shares with us. So he calls you out to draw you in. And he draws you into community to send you out, but you don't need to do that alone. You see, he calls disciples to know the person of God so that they can be the people of God. So listen, let me tell you this. The risk of community, however you're going to assess it today, is still worth it. It's still worth it. 
And it offers so much more than our comfort and security and individualism can. And you don't just need to be ready before you can join one. You know, when I, I, I was thinking of this this past week or two, it reminded me of someone I knew years ago that I, I could never forget. And, you know, before I entered full-time ministry, I used to work as a caseworker for the city's Housing First program here in Edmonton. And the first person assigned to my caseload, his name was Robert. And so Robert thrived on being with others. He was that classic leader extrovert. Everyone in downtown Edmonton knew Robert. But Robert didn't have a home. And so I first met him at a shelter downtown, and he was the most interesting person. I can't tell you enough about how unique Robert was. But unfortunately, I discovered that Robert had a tragic story, and he was just profoundly broken. But there was good news, or so I thought at the time. Our team had found him an apartment, and I would be supporting him uh, for about a year after or more. And we thought this was all really good stuff, right? And so after a couple of months of working with Robert, I, I discovered something that I will never forget. See, Robert thrived when he was with his people, even when he was living with them on the street. They had each other. They were his community. But when Robert was isolated in that new apartment, things were terribly different. He drank constantly and he would never eat. He lay in his bed for days, weeks on end. His mental health was terrible and I watched as he literally wasted away before my eyes. And so eventually, uh, it was tragic. Robert lost his place because he couldn't take care of it. And shortly after, he disappeared. I couldn't find him anywhere in the city. And so I would sit up at night wondering if he was okay. I was wondering if he was alive somewhere, alone. But what surprised me the most was when I ran into him a couple months later. It was the strangest thing. He was sitting at the back of the public library downtown in his usual spot where we used to meet. And he was clean-shaven, and his hair was slicked back neatly. His legs were crossed, as they always were, with his favorite book on his lap. But the strangest thing was the look on his face. There he was with his people, whirling all about him, the people he loved and those who loved him. And on his face, he was a different man. He was smiling this great satisfied, great big smile. A confident one that could not be taken away, no matter what. There was a man at peace with his people. There was Robert. And Robert taught me something that day that is still true today. We need community, and without it, our comfort and isolation may be killing us. The risk of community is worth it, friends. It is life. It repairs and restores. God created us for it, and he invites us into it. So what is holding you back today? So before we close today, I want to speak to two groups as we transition to a time of reflection and prayer. First, 
if you aren't part of a community like this, let me encourage you to take the first step. Answer the call of Christ into community. To be with him through community and to allow him to shape and restore you. You know, maybe that looks like just calling some friends you haven't talked to in a while or some fellow believers that you know and, and, and reinitiating that community. Or maybe you want to visit our website to join one of our small communities. We call them home groups. But I want you to let us know how we can help. If you're here today, if you're at home, I want to know how we can help you step into community. If you need guidance, you know you can reach me at micah at the crosspointchurch.ca. I'm here to help. But let me encourage you to take the first step. And second, if you are a part of a community like this or you are leading one, let me encourage you, especially right now, in the midst of all that is happening, the pandemic, the restrictions, all the division, I want to encourage you to keep going. Keep going. I know it's hard. It's so easy to just lose sight of what's important and to throw in the towel. But Jesus calls us to share all of that with him through community. All of this, the struggles, the despair, and the raw emotion that we experience from time to time. It's still important to show up, to take the time to be present and do all of life together. And you know, even though I'm thrilled that you're all here with me today, it just cannot happen on Sunday. It's just not enough. Not the kind of community that Christ calls us to. And so through small groups of disciples, that it is that He's using that, small groups of disciples, to move and to reveal and to restore and bring hope to a broken world through a new community, the people of God. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss that call. Don't give up on that. So right now, I want to lead you into a time of prayer and response of prayer and reflection And then I'm going to invite Pastor Amanda up to close our gathering. But if you could, just where you're at, and if you're at home or in the building, I just want you to close your eyes. And we're just going to listen to God. We're going to take it to God. Pray with me. as each of us sits here this morning or at home or wherever you're joining us online, I want you to ask God these two questions. First of all, I want you to ask, where are you drawing me, God? What are you drawing me into? directing me to? How can I be with you in community? What is God saying to you?
How is he tugging at your heart? And now, I think God has more answers for us. So ask him the second question. Just in your mind, in your heart of hearts, as you sit there with your eyes closed. What do you want me to do about it, God? What is this tangible step, this act? How can I take the first step? Remember, he calls us into community not to make us squirm, not to tear us down, but to build us up through community. What's that first step? Would you agree with me in prayer? Let's pray. Lord, first, we are just so grateful that you chose us. You desired us, and by a move of your spirit, you caused our hearts to respond to your call. And so I pray that you'll continue to draw us into community together and into deeper communion with you. And so I ask that you break down the barriers between us, all of them, and the defenses that keep us from sharing our lives with each other. Continue, I ask, I beg, to restore us. We love you and we want to know you and we want to be with you. And all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.